I'm Effie Parks. Welcome to Once Upon a Jane, the podcast. This is a place I created for us to connect and share the stories of our not-so-typical lives. Raising kids who are born with rare genetic syndromes and other types of disabilities can feel pretty isolating. What I know for sure is that when we can hear the triumphs and challenges from others who get it, we can find a lot more laughter, a lot more hope, and feel a lot less alone. I believe there are some magical healing powers that can happen for all of us through sharing our stories, and I'll take all the help I can get. Hello, friends. Welcome to the show. This is Once Upon a Gene, and I am your host, Effie Parks. I really hope that you've been enjoying this podcast so far because I have really enjoyed making it. I would love to hear from you and get any of your feedback. I have a really cute little voicemail button that's on my website you can check out. You can leave me a message on there. You can even just say hi. You can connect with me on every social media platform. You can leave a rating and review. Anyways, I'd love to hear from you. And I also want to make sure that you've checked out the Disorder channel. You can download it for free using a Roku or an Amazon Fire Stick. Along with Once Upon Gene TV, there's over a hundred rare disease films. There's a couple shows on ways to manage your anxiety, to rare disease comedy, so many stories of hope and resilience. Today's guest is the CEO of Farnext. It's an advanced clinical stage biopharmaceutical company using artificial intelligence to create therapies for rare and orphan diseases. Their first drug is in its second pivotal phase three trial for Charcot-Marie tooth disease, CMT1A. It's a very rare genetic disorder of the nervous system. There's currently no satisfactory treatment available for this debilitating and painful disease. But my guest today is committed to moving the company's work on this drug forward to bring solutions to these patients, their families, and their caregivers. Please enjoy my conversation with Dr. David Solomon. Good morning, David. Thank you for joining me on the show today. Thanks for having me. Yes, all the way from Paris. I'm very excited to learn more about Farnext. Give it all to me. Can you give me a little background about your career and Farnext as a company? Sure. Well, a bit about me. I'm David Horn Solomon, and I'm the Chief Executive Officer of, of Farnext. I've been a, a public company CEO for about uh, 15 years. Uh, I started off uh, my career in academia. I was a faculty member at Columbia University School of Medicine in uh, neurology, pharmacology, and biological sciences for nearly 10 years, uh, then went to the dark side and was a founder at Carrot Capital <laughs> Healthcare uh, Ventures in New York. It was an early and seed stage fund, and then from there went on to uh, CEO activities, most notably uh, as the CEO of, of Zealand in Denmark, which was a peptide platform to product play that uh, was listed on NASDAQ and, um, and ultimately had uh, a GLP-1 receptor agonist, lixacinatide approved uh, together with Sanofi and other partnerships. And that company is doing extremely well. More recently, I've been the uh, CEO of, of Silence Therapeutics, a, uh, a gene silencing company uh, listed on the London Stock Exchange. And I'm delighted now to be the uh, chief exec at Farnext. And what excites me about Farnext is the strength of the data uh, of PXT3003, our lead medicine to treat Charcot-Marie Tooth Disease, a rare genetic neurologic disorder that causes uh, severe impairment in, uh, in, in, in many people with the disease. And so 
Farnex as a company has been around since 2007. It's listed on Euronext, uh, headquartered in Paris, also with offices in the New York area. And we are really dedicated in the first instance to getting our first medicine, PXT3003, approved. And we're about to start uh, FDA-sanctioned uh, pivotal phase three studies coming up in the first quarter of 2021. Wow, that's quite the journey through your career and such exciting news for Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease. That's huge. What was the innovative approach that you took to ultimately finding some sort of treatment and perhaps cure for that disease? So the insight came from thinking about the genetics of the disease. Charcot-Marie-Tooth type 1A, which forms about 50% of the, uh, of the prevalence of Charcot-Marie-Tooth disease, is um, resulting from a, a defect, a duplication of a gene called PMP22. And PMP22 is a gene that makes a part of the myelin sheath or insulation around nerves. And um, the insight we had is if we could downregulate PMP22 using a novel approach, maybe we could actually uh, repair the defect of the insulation of nerves and make the transduction of nerves normal and therefore um, alleviate a lot of the clinical disability that these patients um, experience. And so we took the approach of looking at the genetics of this disease and looking at a range of different biochemical pathways where we could um, tweak those pathways with, uh, in, in, this, in this case, existing medicines and result in a downregulation of PMP22, which we've done, and, um, and see if that works in patients with the disease. And so the company earlier had positive phase two studies, very promising earlier phase three studies. And um, the medicine PXT3003 is a fixed dose combination of three medicines, naloxone, uh, baclofen, and sorbitol. And uh, together, those medicines bring uh, unexpected and unanticipated results that we think really help it. So that's really interesting. And I actually haven't heard about this approach with any sort of biotech companies yet. It's really fascinating. You're in a sense, like treating the waterfall effect more so. We're in a way pioneers. One, there's no treatment for Charcot-Marie tooth, unfortunately. And so, you know, it's important when you're working in rare disease biotechnology and, and healthcare to think where the, where the complete unmet need exists. And so these patients really suffer. They have a neuropathy that just progresses in a very archetypal way from diagnosis at age 15 or so. And many, when they get to middle age, um, are wheelchair bound. And so if we thought if there's a way to stabilize these patients and improve their symptoms, improve their quality of life, then we're really doing a good turn. And that's what, you know, being in healthcare is really all about. And given that there's no therapy, we're excited to be uh, among the first medicines for this rare disease. It's not that rare of a rare disease. There's about 100,000 people in the U.S. and the EU-5 that have Charcot-Marie-Tooth type 1A, and so a significant population and uh, a very addressable population. And we are very close, in fact, to a lot of the patient groups, the investigators, patients, and their families, and that helps us a lot, ultimately, in the treatment of this disorder. It's a win for all rare disease when anything like this moves forward, for sure. You said that you didn't necessarily anticipate having this outcome when you were doing this process, but it actually seems like it's pretty precision at this point. Did it give you all new ideas in ways to approach treatments for rare disease? Did you kind of veer towards another way of what you were going to do in the beginning? 
I think that our approach is novel because it uses, in our case, for 3003 existing medicines. But what we think of is how does polypharmacology, the idea that many pathways that can be modulated to bring treatments for, uh, for disease uh, can work. And so we all know that disease is complicated. There are some diseases that are single monogenetic hits, diseases like the lysosomal storage diseases, Tay-Sachs, Nyman Pick, et cetera. But many diseases result from much more complex pathology. And we thought that if we could dissect a lot of the biochemical pathways to see how we can alleviate the original problem in the disease, we might have some novel solutions. And because PMP22 is overexpressed in this disease, we thought if we can find ways to downregulate or decrease the expression of PMP22, uh, that might be the first domino that falls in the treatment of this disorder. And that, in fact, is the case. We assessed a, a whole bunch of combinations of medicines found the triple fixed dose combination that downregulates PMP22 first in cells, then in animal models of this disease, and then in humans. Patients with this disease are already experiencing a significant improvement with this medicine. There are currently patients in a follow-on or extension study that get the high dose of our medicine for more than two years now, and we, we continue to be excited for their improvement. And um, we think that ultimately a pivotal study as sanctioned by the FDA, will really, uh, we hope, bring exciting results again to patients and their families. Yes, congratulations on that level too, by the way. So can you break it down for me, the technology exactly? Can you explain the artificial intelligence and the big data being used? Well, what we do is essentially form a disease network around a specific indication or disease like Charcot-Marie Tooth. We look at the genes that may be implicated in the disease, all the biochemical pathways, um, that are affected in the disease. And then we use a combination of genetic data, big data, to ultimately analyze all those pathways and find out which medicines in combination and in what combinations can actually improve the, the outcomes in the disease. And so that's what we've done. And using our algorithms, our experienced scientists, we were able to do that work and that developed PXT3003 into a medicine that could be assessed experimentally as we've been doing. And insofar as these medicines are already approved medicines as single medicines that are safe and well tolerated, we're excited that the combination has already shown a broad degree of safety and tolerability in patients. And that's the beginning. And now we've also shown a high degree of efficacy in patients, but we have to com complete pivotal phase three studies, which is what we're about to do. We, we guide that we will start those studies within the first quarter of 2021. Has COVID... I know, obviously, it's stopped a lot of things, but would you say that having everything kind of pivot towards more of an online platform, that it's actually moved things a little faster, speaking of like clinical trials, has that helped the company? I wouldn't say necessarily faster, but we, together with feedback from the FDA, have adopted or adapted our clinical study so that the endpoints could be measured uh, often by video calls from health providers, uh, uh, practitioners. And so, you know, we've utilized a lot of the technology and the design of our study to adapt to the COVID uh, crisis pandemic, if you will. Certainly, our discussions with partners, with uh, vendors, with investors has been greatly aided by being able to do, you know, Zoom Teams calls as, as it has for everyone. So, you know, nothing has really slowed down. And I think everyone sort of understands within the COVID pandemic or crisis that 
healthcare biotech is the solution. I mean, think about the terrific vaccine approaches from, you know, BioNTech, from Moderna, et cetera, that have really come out of innovative programs. Those have not been hindered in the COVID period and everyone is, is advancing well. And I, it just points out how adaptive biotech and healthcare can be when, you know, crisis calls like this and uh, everyone acknowledges that healthcare biotech becomes the solution. Which is super exciting because it normally moves at a glacial pace, it feels like. Yeah, well, it, it moves at a glacial pace, but lots of advances happen. They're just not the advances that we're all, you know, focused on um, in, you know, the New York Times every day. But, uh, you know, biotech does move pretty rapidly uh, in general. It's just that it's been extraordinarily focused and our attention has been focused on, on biotech's advances these last uh, seven, nine months. Mm, fair point. So the use of artificial intelligence is obviously glossy and awesome, and people are very interested in this kind of technology. What are some of the strengths and some of the weaknesses of using it for rare disease? Well, I, I don't think it's only applicable to rare disease. I think, you know, the strengths and the weaknesses across different diseases, whether they're rare or common diseases in, uh, you know, in millions of patients. AI, big data, these are just tools. And, you know, they might be helpful or predictive tools. But they're only as good as the input that we put into the systems. And so insofar as we're asking, in our case, questions about, you know, what novel combinations of medicines might together generate new therapies uh, and new results, uh, in our case, in a rare disease, uh, it's been a very helpful tool. But it's like all tools, it's only as good as what you ask the technology to do. So um, it's certainly becoming a sort of a standard bearer of another tool, much like high throughput screening is a tool. and you know, genetics has been a tool, et cetera. AI is but one other tool that we can use. So I don't want to oversell it or undersell it. It's just yet an another approach. But ultimately, it's the novelty of ideas and innovation and determination of uh, terrific scientists in biotech companies that ultimately brings the results. Yeah. Would you say that it's ultimately saving on costs in the long run by kind of targeting these rare diseases faster when you're focused on that? So it might tell us which combinations we would have never predicted would have been good combinations to try. So it gets us rapidly to that step. But then you still have to go through all the, you know, preclinical animal modeling, in vitro, in vivo studies, toxicology, phase one, phase two, phase three studies. There's no substitute for that. And there's no substitute for great science. So again, it, it, it is a tool that helps, you know, get us someplace. It saves some time and some steps but other steps are still the steps that we all have to follow. What are you most excited about right now with Farnext? Well, I'm excited that we're going to launch our study. And by launching our study, we're going to get our medicine into patients and then closer to an approval. And so that's what this is all about. I mean, if biotech is not advancing in the clinic to an approval, we're not bringing new products to patients. I'm excited to you know, get our study going in the new year and you know, ultimately to submit the, uh, the file to the FDA once the study is complete and hope, uh, knock on wood, that the medicine gets approved. Yes, that's so exciting. What about for the future? What are you planning on for your next rare disease? Well, we're very interested in seeing if, if uh, our platform can perform uh, in an equally exciting way in a range of other diseases. And again, we don't have, you know, again, disclosure to make as a public company about which diseases we're working on and what our medicines are. But in due course, we look forward to sharing um, with your listeners, with the markets, exactly our progress. But uh, in the background, um, we're really excited to see if, uh, you know, if the pleotherapy platform 
can be adapted to a range of other rare diseases where there are no existing therapies. And so that's really, I think, next steps for us. But again, we have to be laser focused first on, you know, getting PXT uh, approved in the treatment of Charcot-Marie tooth. Yes. I do have a question about that, if you can explain it. Do you seek out patient registries, natural history studies that have an abundance of patients involved and their data already saved? Well, we first pick a disease where we think our platform can really bring solutions. That's number one. Then um, we ultimately look at what the current therapies are. And if there are none, that's exciting also for us. I mean, you don't want to be medicine number seven, even though our, our platform might deliver something exciting. Medicine number seven might not play a significant role in helping patients if number one through six, you know, already work well. So, you know, that's number two. And then number three is once we identify the disease, um, we actually see if there are patient groups that are organized and by reaching out to them and seeing if they want to partner with us in different ways by, you know, providing access to patients or co-investing in st early studies to look at the efficacy. These are all attributes or positives that we look at in a, in a critical strategic decision about which disease to focus on. So, you know, there's a huge algorithm to decide which medicine and which disease to work on. And, you know, and that's part of our thinking. Yeah, makes sense. But definitely helpful to have patients organizing their patients in the groups and having it all kind of aligned for you all to just grab that from them if you decide that it's something worth looking into. Exactly. So we are really focused on close collaboration with patient groups. In Charcot-Marie-Tooth, we have a close collaboration with the Charcot-Marie-Tooth Association uh, of America, where we're also conducting a biomarker study to see if a biomarker can track both progress or, or decline of the, in the disease. We're also very close to the Hereditary Disease Foundation based in New York City, and working with them, we're also excited to you know advance our therapy. But those organizations are, are key because the patients who are part of those those organizations really understand what we're trying to do and can also talk to their clinicians about participating in our clinical studies. And so, you know, it's all part of the network. And, uh, you know, nobody can do this alone. We all have to be helping each other. Yeah, it's really fascinating. And I love that rare disease is somewhat trending and really families are winning at this point, thanks to companies like this. Yeah, and I think that's it. The commitment of companies like Farnix is really there. Biotech is really there to bring solutions, bring new products, bring solutions to patients, their families, caregivers. And that's, you know, how you win. I mean, first you have to do good in the world. And, and that's always the goal of everyone in our company. Uh, we are, you know, near 50 people, everyone laser focused on only one star, and that is PXT3003 in the treatment of Charcot-Marie II. Hmm. I love how you said that. David, is there anything else that you'd like to leave for our audience today? No, pleasure to be with you and uh, look forward to telling you more about our progress over time. Yes, so much. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you. I hope you've been enjoying this podcast. If you like what you hear, please share this show with your people and please make sure to rate and review it on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also head over to Instagram, Facebook and Twitter to connect with me and stay updated on the show. If you're interested in sharing your story, or if you have anything you would like to contribute, please submit it to my website at effieparks.com. Thank you so much for listening to the show and for supporting me along the way. I appreciate you all so much. I don't know what kind of day you're having, but if you need a little pick-me-up, Ford's got you.
Yeah. <laughs>